I was, uh, talk, I was reading this horror story of this guy who forgot his wife's anniversary, him and his wife's anniversary. He finally realized he'd done it about a week late, and he came to her, and he said, I apologize so much, baby. I apologize. What can I do? She said, well, I'll tell you what. But the only way you're going to make it right is I better wake up the next morning, and in my driveway, I better find something that can go from zero to 180 in, in six seconds. The next day, his wife woke up, and she went outside, and she looked out in the driveway, and there was a scale laying there. <laughs> See, I'm not making any friends already this morning. <laughs> the truth shall set you free. So, I want to preach this morning on revive us again. Revive us, revive us again. Look at Psalm chapter 85, look at verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Verse 3, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. See, there's a God that a lot of people don't even realize about our God in the Bible. The Lord God can get mad and he can get angry. And if you're serving a God that only is love and it can't get angry, you're serving a perverted God. Verse 3, Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger into all generations? Verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in Thee. I want to focus on verse 6 where it says, Wilt thou not revive us again? Somebody's been revived and they've been revived again and again and again. It's okay. That's why we try to have a revival. At least once a year we try to have a revival. Why do you have to keep having a revival? Because we keep withering away. <laughs> we keep falling away. If we would stay on fire for the Lord, if we'd stay hot, if we'd stay busy, if we'd stay fruitful for the Lord, we wouldn't have to keep having revivals. But our nature... Our human nature, our flesh, it always wants to go back. It always wants to fall back into the world. It always wants, it, it loves the Lord, but then it starts falling away. And it starts falling away. And it starts falling away. So the question is, how does revival begin? How does revival begin? Well, first off, revive us again. We need to acknowledge, look at verse 6, that, thou, that thy people may rejoice in thee. We need to acknowledge that we've lost the joy of the Lord. Revival can only begin when you acknowledge you don't have the same joy you used to have. You know what happens with a Christian is, being a Christian is a hard life. There's nothing easy about it. Now, it's very easy to come down and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's very easy to get salvation in Jesus Christ. And I can't implore you enough to, if you don't know Jesus Christ, to come down and get saved. But once you are saved... From the cross, you start trying to work for the Lord. You say, okay, I'm going to start living the life the Lord Jesus Christ would want me to live. And why do you do that, Brother Kenyon? Because he's worthy. Because he's worth everything I do. And I feel like I need to pay him back in some way because he's so good to me. But when you start working for the Lord, you start realizing, this stuff isn't easy. It's, not, it's hard to do the right thing all the time. And as a matter of fact, the Bible warns us, Paul warns us all the time, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. He warns us in Galatians. He warns us. That. Why is he warning you about that? Because when you're doing good, you're going to get wore down. You're going to get weary. It's very easy to do the wrong thing, but it's so hard to do the right thing. And we need to acknowledge, as we want revival, we need to acknowledge that we want to have the joy of the Lord back. Because it says, revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. 
Have you lost your joy in the Lord? You know, David says in Psalms 51, he says, Lord, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. David acknowledges there's a time where you can lose that joy. Maybe you've lost the joy of coming to church. Maybe you've lost the joy of singing the songs about Jesus Christ. Maybe you lost the joy about reading your Bible. Maybe you lost some of the joy of just trying to live the Christian life. And it's a joy to do that. It's a joy to live a Christian life. I'm here to tell you, I've had, I've had more joy in church than I've had anywhere else. Some of y'all say, well, it's because you've never lived, you've never been out in the world. Oh, I've been out in the world. There's nothing that's more peaceful. There's nothing that brings more happiness to be right with the Lord, singing songs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and be around a bunch of Christians. And the Holy Spirit filling you, and you know, man, I've got a place waiting for me. I've got a home waiting up in heaven. And no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. There's some joy there. I mean, some real joy. Jesus Christ says, the peace I leave you is not the peace the world leaves you. I, Jesus Christ says, I give you my peace. And there's a, if you're in here and you've never known the peace of Jesus Christ, you're missing out. You're really missing out. So first thing you need to know, you need to acknowledge that maybe you've lost the joy of the Lord. If we want revival, we need to acknowledge that. The second thing we need to acknowledge there in verse 6, will thou not revive us again? We need to acknowledge that we've withered up. See, revival speaks of a fruitful tree, a fruitful plant that's withered up, that's withering away. Our fruitful tree is not withering up. Maybe we need to acknowledge that. Maybe your prayer life is withered up. Maybe you're not praying like you used to pray. Maybe you're not spending as long in prayer. Maybe your prayer life don't feel like it's reaching the Lord like it should. Maybe you're withering up that way. You know what? Uh, I've read a lot about revivals and uh, I've been a part of some revivals, but I'm here to tell you revival's only going to happen through prayer, guys. If y'all don't pray for revival to happen, revival's not going to happen. I was reading about Billy Graham and the whole story about Billy Graham, they were having a revival and these old farmers, they got together and they were praying that something great would happen in this church during this revival. This little old farm church, a lot like this one right here. Just a little bit of people coming. Who cares about it? You know what happened in that revival? A young man named Billy Graham got saved. Do you know think he didn't change the world in a little church just like this? Can that happen here? For sure it can happen here. God works with little things. You read your Bible, you know that. God loves to use little things. Why does God love to use little things? Because God's the only one who can get the glory out of it. God's the only one who can get the glory out of it when He uses little things. God loves to use that little. But it's only going to be through prayer. Maybe our prayer life's withered up. I didn't say it's dead. I didn't say it's completely dried up, completely dry. I'm saying it's withered up. It's a little droopy. It's a little droopy. Maybe your Bible reading's a little withered up. Maybe, maybe a couple years ago, maybe even a year ago, you're reading the Bible a whole lot more. You're getting a whole lot more Bible reading in. You were being faithful to getting up in the morning and reading your Bible. Maybe you're reading your Bible at night. Maybe you, had a, you put an importance on the Word of God. And maybe along the way, the world and the riches of the world and the cares of this world have choked all that out. And you're not getting to where you need to be with the Bible reading. I don't know where your life's at, but we need to acknowledge that maybe there's some things in our life that are withered up. Maybe our church attendance is not where it needs to be. I really believe in church attendance. I believe it's important to be around people, God's people. I guess I'm a little weird nowadays. I think it's important to be there at church, singing praises to God. Maybe your church attendance, maybe it doesn't matter to you as much when you're missing church. Maybe it's kind of withered up. Maybe you're withering up and you need to be revived. You need revival in your life. Maybe your witnessing is not where it needs to be. Witnessing for Jesus Christ. Are we witnessing for Jesus Christ? Are we, maybe you're not handing out tracts like you used to hand out. Maybe you're not inviting people to church like you used to invite people to church. Maybe you're not witnessing for Jesus Christ. When's the last time you just told somebody to personally, out of your own mouth, told somebody that the Lord is good to you? Man, it's getting awfully quiet in here. I didn't know this was going to hit that hard. 
May we really do need revival, amen? Man, I know I need revival. You think I'm just preaching at you? I'm preaching at me. I'm stopping on my own toes. You know, I was telling old Kevin Griffin, who was talking before I come to church this morning, I was thanking him for allowing me to use some of his music. You know what he told me? He goes, hey, uh, brother, what are you going to be preaching this morning? I gave him a little bit of an idea of what I'm going to preach on. He goes, ooh, wee. He goes, that sounds like a porcupine message. <laughs> he's from down south somewhere. I don't know exactly where he's from. I think he's from Georgia, but a porcupine message. Is this a porcupine message to you? I think it's more like a skunk message to some of y'all, some of y'all, it's starting to stink, isn't it? We need revival then. We need to acknowledge that we're withered up. We need to acknowledge these things. You know what the third thing we need to realize about revival? Guys, you need to get this. You need to get this. If you get anything this morning, you need to get this about revival. What we need to acknowledge we want revival to begin is God is not happy with the fruitless tree. God is not happy with the tree that's not producing fruit. Look at verse 4. Oh God of our salvation, cause thine anger t- toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou dry out thine anger to all generations? God's not happy. Why is God not happy? There's a time where God's not happy and He's not happy when you have a Christian that's not fruitful. You're created to do good works. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to show you some of this so you won't think I'm just, I'm just saying this just a just to pick on you this morning or something like that. You might be like, he's picking on me. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to give you the truth. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Let's look at these real quick. You need to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge the Lord is not happy with a fruitless tree. If you're a born-again Christian, you're a tree in the sight of the Lord. And He expects you to produce fruit. He expects you to produce fruit. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. How are you saved? Through faith by grace, amen. And that not of yourselves. There's nothing you can do, guys, to get saved. Now, if you're in here this morning and you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you, you can't wait till you stop doing whatever you're going to stop doing. You can't say, well, I'll, stop. I'll wait till I stop drinking before I get saved. Or I'll wait till I stop smoking before I get saved. Or I need to stop doing this or stop doing that. You'll never stop. You'll keep doing that straight into hell. You need to stop relying on yourself and say, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know I've got a lot of stuff I need to clean up. And I'm going to Jesus Christ to save me. That's how you need to come to Jesus Christ. Just as you are. Do we not sing the song, Just As I Am? Jesus Christ will take you just as you are. And you know what happens when you accept Jesus Christ? Just as you are. You know what God will do? He'll start working on you. And he'll start cleaning you up through the Holy Spirit. Because I'm here to tell you, even if you say, well, I'm a sinner this. You don't know how bad a sinner you are until you get around Jesus Christ. You only think you're a sinner. You get around His holiness. You get around the Spirit of Jesus Christ and He starts living in you. You start realizing, man, I'm not only bad, I'm really bad. But that's okay because you're going to heaven now. Now He can start working on you, cleaning you up. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. We're being, you're offered a gift this morning of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. It's grace. It's unmerited. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's given to you. And God's not an ending giver. He's not going to give it to you and take it back. He says, I've got this gift for you. My son has died on the, on the cross of Calvary for your sins. Will you come and take it? And all you have to do is walk down and take it. But you've got to take it. I was reading the story about Dwight L. Moody and he had a dollar bill. Now, this is back when a dollar bill was really a dollar bill, you know. He gets this dollar bill and he stands out here and goes, whoever will come and take this dollar bill can have it. And this little boy comes running down the aisle. The little boy comes down there and he stuck his hand out and he's waiting for uh, Brother Moody to give him that dollar bill. And there was a mother in the back and she turned to her son and said, go get that dollar bill. And that little boy, he ran down and he pushed that other kid out of the way and he grabbed that dollar bill out of Moody's hands. And the other kid started crying. 
because he didn't have the dollar bill. And Dwight Moody said, I said to take it. Whoever will take it can have it. Guys, Jesus Christ is there for you to take, but you got to take him. Don't go to church all your life. You come right up there to Jesus Christ and you never receive it. It's free, but you got to take it. You got to take it. Verse 9, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I've given it to you over and over again. Paul's given it to you. You're saved by grace. You can't work your way into heaven. You're not going to work your way to be saved. You got to come just as you are to Jesus Christ and then he'll save you. And that way, it says there, not of works lest any man should boast in verse 9. That way, when we get to heaven and we walk in those pearly gates, we can't say, well, look what I I was going to church all my life and I was feeding the poor and I was doing that. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. You can't boast because the only reason you're in there is because of that man, Jesus Christ. And he gets all the glory. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that died on the cross. You didn't work your way in here, so you can't boast in verse 9. Not of works lest any man should boast. Why are you reading all this stuff, Brother Keegan? Because of verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God wants you to walk in good works. God created you in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you need to be revived in your good works? Are you withered up and there's no fruit on your tree? God created you. You're saved in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't save you to put you on God's welfare plan. God didn't save you and say, okay, now I've saved you. You just go sit over there and you don't do nothing else for me. That's not how God works. God says, I saved you and I've given you this free gift. Now I expect you to do some good works. Amen. Amen. I'm reading it to you. Man, it's getting quiet in here. For we are His work machine created in Jesus Christ under good works. That's a dirty word that works. Nobody, no Christian likes to hear that. Because see, we're living under God's welfare plan, see? And you turn on the TV and you see God's welfare plan in this prosperity message. God give me this. God give me that. God give me a new house. God give me a new car. Oh, me, 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 me. Oh, God, God, this, God. And God, they, they're like God's welfare plan, see? And God says, you know what? I'm about sick of work at giving you all this stuff. It's time for you to get out and work. Amen. And do some works for me. Because I expect you to work. And that work is fruit that's going to come out of your life. Turn to Mark. Turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Please, turn to the... Jesus Christ talks about this. Look at uh, verse 14. Jesus Christ has given them the parable of the sower and the seed. And of course, they don't understand it. They didn't understand three quarters of what Jesus Christ said. They weren't spiritual. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus Christ explains what he's trying to tell them in this parable. Look at this in verse... Uh, look at verse 13 to get the context. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? He gets on to, Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you what it means. Verse 14. The sower soweth the word. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm sending out seed. The word is like the seed of God. It's being thrown out. It's thrown out. I'm throwing out seed. Why? Because I want some trees to sprout up that will produce some fruit. I'm throwing out some seeds so that you can get saved and you can become saved. Look at verse 15. And these are they by the wayside which where the word was sown, but when they had heard, just like you're hearing this morning, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. I'm here this morning and I'm preaching the, the truth about the gospel uh, of salvation in Jesus Christ. And maybe the devil's coming in and he's trying to take that seed out of your heart. I know how the devil works. Oh, you don't need to get saved right now. Don't worry about that. You can get saved some other time. I'm here to tell you, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring you. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And the devil will lie to you. The devil don't want you to be saved. The devil wants you to go right where he's going. Yes, he does. 
And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says that 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 place that you're going without Jesus Christ is a place called hell. And the Bible says it's prepared for the devil, Satan, the devil and his angels. It was never meant for you. God designed hell to throw the devil and all his angels in there. He didn't want you to go. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary. But Satan can come in and take that word out. And as soon as I say this stuff about Jesus Christ, that's as soon as your heart starts speaking to you. Oh, don't listen to that preacher. Don't listen to what he's saying. I'm not saying it. The Word of God's saying it. You need to ignore that stuff and take away the Word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they had heard the Word immediately receive it with gladness. So somebody, some of y'all in here are hearing this gladly and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the Word's sake immediately they are offended. Maybe you get in here, maybe you've been saved, maybe you accepted the Lord. Maybe there was a time you got close to accepting the Lord, but then you start thinking, well, if I accept the Lord, I'm going to have to give up this, and I'm going to have to give up that, and I'm going to have to do that. And you're so worried about what you're going to give up, and you're going to lead yourself right down into hell. Listen, I've been there. I've been on the other side of the fence. You're not giving up nothing. You think you're giving up something. You're not giving up nothing. If you'll take whatever, whatever life you're living, and you'll take that life you're living, and I want you to do something for yourself. This is for you, not for me. Do this for yourself. I want you to look at the life you're living and compare it to people who are living the same kind of life you're living and look at the end of that and say, okay, look at how it ended up for them. And I think it'll open your eyes. It don't always end very good, does it? And I want you to take the life of a Christian Think of a good Christian you know. And I want you to look at the way it's ending up for them. And you put them on there. And in your mind's eye, you tell me which one's a better way to end up. You say, well, I don't know if I can give up this. Don't you worry about that. You just come down and accept Jesus Christ. He'll take care of all that. You don't have any idea what you're missing out in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, you're missing out on a lot. Verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitful of riches, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it become unfruitful. Maybe you're a born-again Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ, but because of the world, you're not living for the Lord, and you're not producing any kind of fruit. That's what I'm preaching to this morning. And you need revival. <laughs> you need to be revived. God didn't save you to sit on your rear end all the rest of your Christian life. God saved you to work. I know it's a dirty word. I know this is a porcupine message, but I want it to be. The Lord wanted it to be. The Lord brought you in here for a reason. Look at verse 20. And these are they, this is the good ones. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Which one of those are you? In verse 20, which one of those are you? Are you 30-fold? Are you 60-fold? Are you 100-fold? Are you the one up above and no-fold? <laughs> no fruit. I'm going to ask you a question this morning, Christian. Was there a time you were bringing forth 60-fold fruit? You are bringing forth like 60 fruit, and now you only bring forth 30? Maybe there's a time you really do, on fire for the Lord, and you're bringing hold of 100-fold, the Lord says. 100-fold. And now you think back to this last year and you say, man, I bet you, if I'm lucky, I brought 430. That's a person that needs to be revived. That's a revival time, guys. That's why we have revivals. And I'm here to tell you, we need revival and we need to acknowledge that God is not happy with an unfruitful tree. God is not happy with you this morning. God's not happy with me, Brother Keegan. If you're a born-again Christian in here and you're not producing fruit, I can tell you with all authority of the Word of God, God is not happy with you. You need to get busy and produce some fruit. You're wasting God's space. You don't believe me, do you? Look at Luke 13. 
I'll give you one more. This will make you even more scared. Look at Luke chapter 13. It's, it's, it, hurt, it hurts to hear this stuff. If you're a born-again Christian in here, and I don't, know, I don't know your heart, but if you're a born-again Christian in here, God is not happy with you if you're not producing any fruit. Look at verse 6. He spake also this parable. This is Jesus Christ. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. That, is that you? Are you that fig tree that's in the, in the vineyard and you're not producing any fruit? And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser, the dresser there, that's the top of the Holy Spirit, of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. God is seeking fruit off of you guys and find none. God says, cut it down, why cumber the ground? Ooh, wee, 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 wee. Ooh, that's a tough one. God's walking through the vineyard and he's looking at all his fruit trees. All these ones my son Jesus Christ has paid for. And he sees this one over here and it's not producing anything. And every time he's come up here, and he's, he's long suffering. Three years he's waited. Every year he comes by and he sees no fruit. He comes by again and he sees no fruit. And the third time, you know what he says? You know what? It's just cumbering the ground. Just cut it off. Why is it taking up space down there? I might as well just take it on home with me. Lord says, I'll just take you on home. I've got you down there for a reason, Christian. And I want you to produce fruit. And you're not producing any fruit. He cut it down. Why cumbered it the ground? Verse 7. Look, but look at here. Look at here. Verse 8. Look what the Holy Spirit says to the Father. And he, and he answering said unto him, Lord, uh, let it alone this year also till I should dig about it and dung it. So let me put some manure around and see what happens. Are you living your life right now and there's all kinds of caca happening in your life? You wake it up and you're like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? My life is turned to dung. My life is manure. Everything's falling apart. Why is all this stuff happening to me? Maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to shake you up to produce a little bit of fruit. And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. He's going to bring some stuff into your life. You're just not going to be real happy. But if that's what it takes in God's eyes to get you to produce fruit, that's what he's going to do. Why, Brother Keegan? Because he expects fruit from his tree. And you need to know as a revival, you need to acknowledge that God is not happy with an unfruitful tree. And you need to do something about that. I can't do that for you. Your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, your granddad, whoever's with you, they can't do that for you. It's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to get right with Him and say, you know what, I'm going to start living for you. I'm going to produce some fruit. You know what, guys? It might just be a little bit of fruit. It might not be a lot of fruit, but it'll be some fruit, amen? It'll be a little bit of something. Verse 9, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it, cut it down. Guys, I wouldn't want the Lord to just take you out of here because you're not doing nothing for Him. But God's not going to let you just lay on His welfare program the rest of your life. You need to get busy for the Lord. You know why this is so important? It's because of the time we're living in. God needs laborers in the field. The time is short. The night is closing around us. Y'all see the TV. Y'all see what's going on with America. Y'all see what's going on in the world. Jesus Christ is about to come back. This world's about to change. And we need to get busy to win people to the kingdom because there's going to come a time where we won't be able to win people to the kingdom. There's going to come a time we're not going to be able to go to church in America. There's going to come a time where this book's going to be outlawed. And you're going to be running and hiding for your life. You need to be producing fruit now. You need to go into the, into the field now. And be fruitful for the Lord. The time is short. And the Lord's never going to be happy with you if you're not producing fruit. Amen. That's a plain truth. Back in Psalm chapter 85. Back in Psalm chapter 85. Back in Psalm chapter 85. Verse 4. This psalmist says, Turn us, O God, of our salvation. You want revival in your life? 
I'm going to give you three ways to revive your life. First off, you need to repent. See that in verse 4? Turn us. That's repentance. Repentance is a, is a change of mind, a change of direction. You go on this way and you just turn and say, you know what, I'm going to go this way. You need to change your mind about the way you're living your Christian life. You need to repent the way you're living your Christian life. You need to acknowledge, like, I could do a better job in this. I could do a better job in my prayer life. I could do a better job in my Bible reading. I could do a better job of witnessing for Jesus Christ. I could just do a better job of being a good Christian. Giving to people. Loving on people. I could be a better Christian. And when you acknowledge that and you start by acknowledging that, you repent of it. And you don't come to Brother Keegan and say, Brother Keegan, I need to repent. You go to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer and repent. You say, Lord, I, I, by you go to prayer. Remember I said this all starts with prayer. You go to the Lord in prayer and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm no good. I shouldn't have done this. I should be doing a better job. Lord, will you help me? And if you read in John chapter 15, the Lord will come in and help you to produce that fruit. He'll help you to be a better Christian. See, this is not a, this message, you think this is a porcupine message or this is a bad message. No, it's not. This is to help you. See, I'm not breaking you down not to give you something that'll build you back up. Preaching is to edify you. It's to help you to understand that you can be a better Christian. I'm here to tell you, I was living a Christian life that was sorry, no good, and was unfruitful. And you can live a Christian life with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do all things. You not read that in your Bible? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If you ask Him to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, will you help me to be better? He'll help you. And you'll be more fruitful. But it's got to be a change of heart. It's got to be a change of heart. You've got to repent and turn your heart to God. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. The second thing you need to know about how you can have revival in your life. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints. When we come into revival time, when you come into the church, when you come into revival time in a week or so, next Friday when Brother Donnie Jeffers comes blowing through here, you know what you need to do? You need to have a heart ready to listen to what the preacher has to say. It says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. You got to have a heart to hear what the preacher has to preach. You got to have a heart to hear what the Lord's speaking to you through this book. You got to have a heart to hear what the Lord's speaking to your heart. You got to have a heart to hear what the Lord's saying. You got to have a heart to hear that. And when the preacher gets up to preach, if you have a heart to receive what the Lord has for you, you'll, have, you'll receive something. But if you come in here and you, don't, you have a heart not to receive nothing, you're not going to get nothing. Listen, it don't matter how bad the preaching is, if you have a heart to receive something from the Lord, you'll get something. So the second thing you need to know is verse 8 is you got to have a heart ready to hear what the God the Lord has to speak to you. And then thirdly, look at the end of verse 8. But let them not turn again to folly. You see that? Let them not turn again to folly. You need to apply it to your life. Thirdly is you need to apply it to your life. You need to apply whatever you hear the Lord speak to your heart and apply it to your life. It's not enough to come into this church. Why are you coming in here this morning? It's not enough to come in here to church and to hear the Word of God. James says you need to be a doer of the Word of God. It's folly. It's foolishness to hear the Word of God and not do it. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart about doing something. I don't know what it might be. It might be something really simple. You might be saying, you know what? I want you to do a little bit more reading of the Bible. Or I want you to pray to me a little more. Or I want you, whatever it might be. Just listen to the Lord and say, you know what? I'm going to hear what you're saying. And I'm not only going to hear it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be a hearer. It's a foolishness to be only a hearer and not a doer of the Word of God. We're about to have an invitation. And when we do, we're going to sing a song called Revive Us Again. Revive Us Again. And when we sing this song of invitation... Uh, I want you to understand the story behind this song, Revive Us Again. This song was written by name, this guy's name is W.P. McKay. You'll see that in your hymnal when we turn to the song. This guy was a doctor. And this guy that wrote the song, Revive Us Again, he wasn't saved. He wasn't saved for years and years. He was a doctor. 
And what happened was he grew up around a very godly mom. And this godly mom was praying for him to get saved. And he said, I just ignored her. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. And when he left the house, his mom gave him a Bible. Now, you got to understand, this is like in 1860. She gave him a Bible and says, I want you to have this Bible, son. And he takes this Bible. And he wasn't gone from home very long to where he ran on hard times. So he just sold the Bible. The Bible his mom gave him, he just sold it for just a little bit of nothing. And through the years... He went through school and he became a doctor. And when he was a doctor, he had a man brought into his into the hospital. And this man brought in the hospital. As soon as he came in, this doctor, McKay, he said, I knew this guy was going to die. I knew it. There's no way he's going to live. He had maybe a couple of days, three or four days. And he told the man, you're not going to last very long. You don't have very long to live. And the old man had a lot of peace about him. And this man says, will you send for two things? And the doctor said, okay, I'll send for two things. He goes, will you send for my landlady? Because I have no family, have no family left. Will you send for my landlady because I owe her money? And will you send for my book? So this old, uh, this doctor took this advice of this old man. He went and got his book and he went and got the landlady. He got a nurse to do all this. And through the time he said, as I came into the room, I'd see this old man and I knew, he knew he was going to die. He knew he only had a couple of days to live, but he had a peace about him. He had joy about it. He had a good countenance. And he goes, as he took his last breath and he died, he said, the nurse came to me and he said, she said to me, what should I do with his possessions? And the doctor said, well, what did he have? He said, well, he had that book that he had. That it was, and he goes, what book was it? He goes, well, it was a Bible. And this man was sitting in this room and he goes, he would read this Bible for the last couple of days of his life. And then when he couldn't read it anymore, he just took that Bible, closed it up, and he, he put it on his, under his, on his chest, on his thing. He goes, well, it was a Bible? He goes, yeah, it was a Bible. He goes, let me see it. And that doctor took that Bible that old man had and he opened up that Bible. And that was the Bible his mom had given him all those many years ago. And his name was written in W.P. McKay. And he said, I knew then I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because of what that Bible had done for that man. And that Bible became the most prized possession of W.P. McKay. And as he got saved and he started following the Lord, as we're about to sing this song, Revivals Again, he sang, he wrote this song, Revivals Again. This is Keegan Hall, the pastor of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Uh, we're just trying to glorify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in every way we can, and we hope we were a blessing to you. Now, if you're listening, you're not saved, we want you to be saved. That's our deepest prayer. We're doing all this so people can get the gospel message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he died for your sin. And if you're willing to admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, if you go to Jesus Christ in prayer and ask Jesus Christ to save you, he'll come in and save you. Now, honestly, I can tell you, when I've done that, Jesus Christ, was the best thing ever happened to me. And if you'd like to contact us, you can contact us through the web at IndianGapBaptist.com. It has all our information, how to get to our church. That's IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.